2: Let's do it. Welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. Monday through on the Athletic Podcast Network. Is this thing on? One, two, mic, shake, one, two. All right. What up, boy? What up, man? What you know about (laughs) Ray Meyer?
3: The mad scientist of basketball who saw this clumsy seven footer and taught him footwork and agility and touch around the basket and how to stand tall on the court. Developing this George Mikin fella into a basketball pioneer.
1: What you, know about- what you
3: know about jumping Jim Pollard from Oakland, who was touching up top of backboards in the 40s. What you know about, you know about the clutchness of Sam Jones, hey! the rebellious creativity of Red Auerbach. How Bill Russell organized a camp in Mississippi to help race relations after Medgar Evers was murdered. What you know about? What you know about the origins of the Showtime Lakers being a nightclub in Santa Monica called the Horn, or how Paul Westhead almost killed the dynasty before it got started. What you know about? What you know about Chuck Daly, about number eight Kobe, about the Silicon Valley influence on the NBA. In my new book, Dynasties, the 10 GOAT teams that changed the NBA forever, we take a look at the NBA's grand history through the lens of its dominant teams and dominant players. How not only each dynasty was built on the previous one, but how these legendary basketball teams even impacted society almost as much as the game. You know With popping the- illustrations <laughs> from Yu Ming-Guan, Dynasties is a gorgeous addition to your bookshelf or your coffee table it is the perfect collector's item both for nba fans who want to journey through history and casual fans who want to learn more about this league they can't get enough of get your copy of dynasties today at amazon barnes and nobles target walmart or wherever you buy books what you know about dynasties the 10 gold teams that change the nba forever wherever you buy books Kobe, what do you think of when you watch Steph Curry?
4: Um, I, I see a calmness about him. I see a calmness about him, and I, I think it's something that a lot of players don't understand. I think So I think the fans, it's very hard for the fans to really understand what I'm saying, because most players don't get it. There's a serious calmness about him, which is, uh, which is extremely deadly. Right? Because he's not up, he's not down, he's not contemplating what just happened before or worrying about what's to come next he's just there and when a player has the skills and has trained himself to have the skills to be able to juke shoot dribble left right etc and then you mix that with this calmness and poise then you have a serious serious problem in your head. and so when I watch him play that's what I see that's what I see
1: Let's bring Da into the conversation here. Welcome to Who comment is. I'm Jason on the Athletic Podcast Network. I
3: turned it on and I heard Shaq with the barbs and like the bolts and bragging, I was
1: transported right back into it. I was like, Oh, this is great. I think I rap better
4: than Shaq. David, David on Aldridge.
1: Aldridge. Oh, he's totally playing. Him. Yes. <laughs> yes. And then they had their lungs out in front of everybody on TV. Michael was not your friend. It was popping in there. And Marcus Thompson.
3: I just can't get with this idea of taking one hour of content and finding the morsel that might pop. And blowing at him. Jason Jason? Welcome to Coop. Five, four, we have ignition. Hello,
1: Mellow, my friends. The comic is. And welcome. It's another edition of Hoops Adjacent on the Athletic NBA show. I'm David Aldrich here in DC. Sunny and warm. Uh, it's, it's too warm here in DC. It's like 75, but it's muggy. I don't like this. It's October. It's not supposed to be muggy. In the bay is our man, Marcus Thompson. Marcus, what's up?
3: Yo, it's hella hot. How hot? It was like 89 yesterday. Oh, that's too hot. And today that's I, too damn hot. I took my daughter to school. And it was hot. I'm like, yo, why is it? I don't know what's happening in the Bay, but it's October and it's feeling like July. So we, we in this thing, we out here, we still got shorts and t-shirts. That's what we do.
1: Thunderstorms in LA and whatnot last night. That was ridiculous. Delayed the game. West side till we, side. <laughs> 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 till we die. Well, let's get our guest in. As you know, on Hoops adjacent, we like to try to get all of the, uh, all of the uh, big NBA names on the show. And we have, on occasion, gotten a couple here and there over the years. Uh, this is a good one. Say hi, Steph Curry. What's happening, fellas? <laughs> man. It is, uh, it's hotter
2: down here in, in the peninsula, of the Bay. Although uh, I'm, I'm only seeing the inside of gyms now, so don't really matter. What's it like? You know the Michael out here. You know, it's like 20. I thought she was
3: by the water, so it's cooler. It'd be hella cold over there.
2: Uh, I ain't like that. I gotta be close to Chase, man.
1: I got you. All right, so what's the so this is a good place to start off. What is the commute time for you on a normal game day?
2: Normal game day is about forty minutes. So if I put the podcast on like one and a half speed, I can probably get through one episode in the car. There you go, <clears throat> like it, like it.
3: Are you still doing? Are you still like taking taking the daughters to school and are you still allowed getting to do that type of stuff?
2: Yeah, it just it depends on the schedule. I, I got to do it this morning. Take my son. Preschool, uh, he loves, like, he just loves school. He's a socialite of the family. So uh, it's a big deal, the drop-offs for him, because you need that, like, little one-on-one time with him, because when you get to the front of the school, it's over. Like, he, you're you're basically invisible at that point. It's all about his friends, his teachers, and all that. Um, and then, fortunately, our, our two oldest, they're homeschooled, so we walk them to the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> that could be times a little easier. That's there
1: cool. you go. The recess works out better, much better. I would think. Absolutely. Do that. <laughs> do that I'm, I'm cool
3: on that homeschool. I was dying during the pandemic. We talked as about like this. Yes. The eighth you, grade you teacher. You were looking into bad. the
1: homeschooling thing. This was a. This was a. a potential topic, right? Yeah.
2: To, to Marcus's point, though, this was the the one learning was. Uh, it was not going to be me or my wife doing the teaching. Right. Yeah. I was a second grade, uh, distance learning overseer and I was not, uh, I was not there. <laughs> <laughs> you,
3: So hold on. You weren't killing that, uh, physical science. You <laughs> wasn't
1: rocking out there.
2: Nah, no, nothing. I didn't get any high approval ratings. I know they have all these. Nothing.
1: Dads. I don't rape my teacher. Nothing. Nothing good. <laughs>
2: We didn't have that back in the day. Uh, I would not have been a top of a top of any list according to my my seven, been seven year old daughter. So, mm-hmm.
3: you know, what was insulting stuff like I would be working with my daughter with math, right? And it was like. It was like you know, it was torture, right, for both of us. She hated me doing it. I was miserable. I didn't understand. I was explaining it perfectly, and she didn't understand. And then she sit down with a tutor, and they're like dancing and Ooh. singing, and she's like knocking it out. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yo, I don't even understand. Does it only do you only learn when it costs me? Yo, is, that, is that the lesson
2: here? There's something there's something to that. We might need to do another deep dive on that.
1: First. Oh Lord. Ma'am, well, my son, my oldest, my youngest son, I should say, of our two boys, finally after fourteen, no, twelve years of private school, it finally got into the public school. Boy, I was dancing like you would not believe. I, oh my God, I don't have to pay for his education. <laughs> <It's> like,
2: <laughs> Everything you said is exactly right, and not only that, just to know that like the respect of the teachers and uh, and what they do to. I don't know what the secret sauce is. I feel like we all all in the same language, and we just can't we can't get it done. As mm. I don't know what it is.
1: Well, mm. we know our kids too well. We know our kids too well, and so we we you and, they well,
2: know us, and they
1: know us. And they know us. Yeah. Right. You know what I'm saying? So they'll they'll do what irks us. We'll do what irks them, and there's no learning. <laughs> <laughs> so Absolutely. leave it to the professionals. Is is the moral of the story? And we will do that going forward. Speaking of professionals, you are a professional shooter and you know what the rules changes are. And I saw you commenting on those the other night.
3: Now, and he got caught last night got in caught.
1: the I, game. I got that. Now that one, I don't, not, not your particular call. I mean the fake jump into the guy. I think that's terrible. It should not be part of the game. The one that I have a little problem with is the, is the CP as everybody knows which is you penetrate, you let the guy behind you run into you, and that's, and then you, it's a foul. I think that's a foul. And they seem to be wanting to try to get rid of that one too. So what are your thoughts on these rules changes?
2: Yeah, I, I knew there's going to be kind of a shock factor to it. There's going to be some confusion, possibly frustration uh, from the player's perspective because you're so used to certain reads and, and that muscle memory takes over to your point. I I never truly liked it. I knew you could use it to your advantage, especially if, you know, you're in a one-on-one situation, you get a guy going, you know, kind of retreating and you step back and, um, and then they're out of control. You use that to your advantage, you get a foul call. I still believe that's a foul too. Like last night, you know, the game in Portland, I leaned forward a lot. And that's kind of a judgment call um, in terms of, Is the defender truly stopping and still in legal guarding position, or by the one you know truly initiating the contact? Like, there's going to be that gray area there. Um, Obviously, I lost (laughs) that that, (laughs) conversation. The other ones where you know, as an offensive player, like if you create the advantage, then I feel like you should be able to use that. You know, no matter what, especially like a one-on-one situation where if I get by somebody. Um, and then they're out of control. They run into me. I should be able to take advantage of that. The one like it's in transition and open space and you're just seeking contact. Like there's no place for in the game for that. Um, you know, me probably on a Luca James Trey are the ones that everybody wants to talk about for better, or for worse, there's, there's going to be a learning curve and we all understand that. And we've all adjusted to rule changes in the past. Um, it's just a matter of hopefully it's consistent that's the that's the biggest thing that we uh we need you know from from a refereeing standpoint across the board i don't care what you call as long as you're consistent with it we'll make the adjustments and the game won't suffer or my game won't suffer from it at all looking
0: for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
3: I remember, uh, especially early in your career, the big thing was people wanted you to draw files more. And you were like, nah, man, that's not how we play. Like, how did you go from that to this? Uh, Like, what was the process of you saying, all right, if this is how we're going to play, I might as well do it. Because you were pretty, you were pretty adamant about not falling for that, you know, not participating in that element of the game.
2: Well, I still, I still feel that way. And the one that I do for sure is obviously the pump fake. And then you kind of, you know, look for contact if somebody leaves their feet. Like that's, I feel like that's been a part of the game for a while, not just my generation. So it's not like we invented it or created it. But the other parts where, you know, you just forget about what the goal of the game is and just putting the ball in the basket, I still, you know, have a pretty strong point of view on on, on that part of the game where even like the sweep through or, you know, trying to, you know, sell contact or you know, using your off arm to engage and all that type of stuff. I've never been good at it. So it's it's something that uh, you know, I, I never really took time to to learn or, or to to try. And and part of that is maybe I don't get as many many calls as I probably should or or could, but you know, obviously you you try to stay efficient and effective. So you got enough to worry about already in terms of how defensive uh you know, your defenses are strategizing against you and where your shots are gonna come from and all that. I didn't I kind of chose not to add another element to kind of bog my mind down a little bit.
1: Let's flip it a little bit. So, do you think this will affect you defensively? Um, that's a good question. I mean, again, it's just about
2: the consistency of the calls. Like, that's why hopefully this, these preseason games will expose um, as many of those situations as possible, so that we all can get as many as many examples to to learn from. And then hopefully that creates a pattern of how the game's going to be called going into the regular season. So um, maybe you can be a little bit more aggressive defensively, knowing, you know, if you maintain your space and your position, the offensive guy can't, you know, use that to their advantage. You know, we'll see how that affects, you know, scoring and free throws and foul calls and all that, all the advanced analytics gurus that are going to break that down as the season goes on. But, you know, again, it's just about being consistent. That's with anything. So, uh, I think that's why I like playoff basketball so much because you get to that point, mm-hmm. a lot of this kind of ticky tack stuff and and the nuances of drawing fouls kind of get eliminated a little a little bit more, you know, in the playoffs. And hopefully that that'll be the vibe throughout the regular season.
3: I'm curious, out of all the times in the game you're fouled, what percentage would you think would you say are called? About forty five percent. Oh, that's higher than what I thought you would have
1: said. <laughs> you were trying to get
2: that 30 out and you couldn't I'm get sorry. it out, right? <laughs> so if I say one dollar I win, right? <laughs>
3: Exactly, man. So, I thought he would say higher, DA, higher 45. Higher. <laughs> I think Warriors fans would say 15.
1: Right? <laughs> 6.3% of the time, it gets fouled, it gets called. I mean, look, there's a lot to talk about with the team. Um, now, uh, Steve made an interesting point last night when somebody asked him about the two first-round picks. and He said, hey, the young guys, there's guys in front of them. There's so much to ask you about the squad that you have going into this season. I just wonder, what do you know that you can count on going into this season?
2: Our veteran presence, obviously, it's great having Andre back. It's great Uh, the way Draymond's looked uh, in training camp so far. Obviously, anticipation of Clay, you know, returning from his injury. We have a strong core and DNA of how we do things that, you know, we rely on and have relied on for years now. What I've seen early in camp is there's a commitment to just our style and you know moving the ball, you know, that offense by committee where everybody's, you know, cutting, screening for each other. We obviously know is is, you know, you get you get scouted and you know, as fourth quarters come, things kind of slow down. You have to get to your your bread and butter offense. But we have a lot of shooting um that we, you know, necessarily didn't have uh, the last couple of years being able to create space and, and create room on, on the floor with that shooting, I feel like you know will, will help us a lot this year offensively. You know, Jordan Poole has been just a, a superstar in terms of, you know, taking advantage of his opportunity, to continue to get better the work he puts in and obviously showing that early. And he has a, a prime opportunity to be a spark plug for us all year long. So what Warriors basketball is and how you know you've seen us play for years on end. It'll be another evolution of that and 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 hopefully the spacing and the shooting threats that we have will open up a lot more opportunities and options across the board. And then when Clay gets back, it's it's just a matter of figuring out what our rotation is and understanding he's gonna take it to, take us to another level. So
1: yeah.
2: we almost got like three seasons in one. I it's like the the anticipation for, for Clay coming back, whenever he does come back that first maybe month or six weeks where you figure out you know, what he looks like and get his 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 legs underneath him. And then you have the playoff push that, yeah. you know, we're kind of breaking it up into those segments. And and hopefully we, we, we you know, take care of our business.
1: Yeah. From what, from, from your standpoint, I guess I would think it doesn't even merely matter where you are, like in the playoffs, if it's, you'd rather be one than eight, I know, but if you're eight, so be it. Right. I mean.
2: I mean, you always want home court advantage. That's, that's uh you know, history says that that definitely sets you up for a better chance to make a deep run. But to your point, you know, especially how last year when we felt like even last year, if we had gotten one of those two play-in games, um, you know, we would have been a tough out in a seven-game series because we've yeah. been there before we had the experience. So hopefully Sorry we can, uh, you know, say. oh, series over here talking to me.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> we can uh, we can get into the playoffs and, under you know, with it home court advantage and understand who we are and our identity is. Um, And, you know, it hasn't been proven that, you know, we're an easy out in any playoff series. So that's, that's what we are. We're banking on. Steph,
3: I had, I had a player tell me once uh, that low key, you were the most gangster player in the league, right? Like how there's a, I know you're a nice guy, and you play golf and all that stuff, and you have I just children. Play golf
2: like that. Play golf. You know, it's, I
3: it's, play it's, golf, a, it's a very I'm friendly. Bad at it. It's very friendly and fun. Hey, Marcus. I'll. I oh! just be wondering sometimes what's like what's in your head. Like there's this complete kind of other side of you uh, that even on the court you're, you're like you're smiling a lot, you're playing but like you know you are quote unquote the baby face assassin what are you telling yourself in your head when it's time to get going like 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 this summer for instance when you know reportedly you guys were out here trying to get some help and it ends up being not that much and it's like okay basically it's on you again right you gotta you gotta at least carry until Clay gets there in your head, what does Steph tell himself to get ready to put in the work and to, like, be able to carry this load?
2: There's, there's two parts to that. One is, you know, I've always had a that kind of quiet killer instinct. And it's something that, you know, Kobe did an interview one time. It was one of my favorite kind of comments about me in terms of how he saw, like, that killer instinct behind the smile. And and just I can have fun and have joy. He was like, I'm out there to rip your heart out, and it's just a different way that it looks. Kobe, what do you think of when you watch Steph Curry?
4: Um, I, I see a calmness about him. I see a calmness about him, and I, I think it's something that a lot of players don't understand. I think so. I think the fans is very hard for the fans to really understand what I'm saying because most players don't get it.
2: Um, so there's a there's a Confidence, no matter what situation you are, that I have the ability and the skill set to you know win any game, any night. You know that's that's something that is only built on the the shoulders of the work that you put in. Not to be cliche, but like that's really you know how I gain that confidence and maintain that from year after year. And the second part is there's always like this quiet insecurity at the same time of when you come into a training camp that you got to prove it all over again, and there's something to that. You know, I get nervous right before training camp starts. You know, there's this, again, I call it insecurity throughout your summer workouts where, like, I really have to have, be intentional about what I'm, what I'm doing, what I'm working on, uh, what my mentals are like going into the season because, you know, there's no guarantee that what I've done before is just going to show up. And so I have a, a fine balance between those two emotions. And it's always like a, a back-and-forth game because I know – if I step on the floor, I got this confidence, but it's built on the work. But if I don't have the insecurity about what the work means for what I'm doing on the court, then it doesn't work. So that's really the, my way of thinking and way of summarizing, you know, all the different emotions. You can't control what people say about, you know, you or your team or whatever the case is. And, you know, we all know year to year you're in different situations. And you have to be able to adapt. But me personally, those are the two kind of emotions that I have to balance. You know, every single year to to try to stay on this level.
3: So, is the voice in your head like, what is it like? Is it like, are you in front of a man in front of you? And are you like, man, you garbage, you can't garbage? (laughs) Like, is he like going off? What does he sound like? You know, (laughs) there's
2: something to that. I might have to, uh, I have to put the voice memo.
3: Like, if you were to narrate this, who would you get to narrate the voice of the, the killer inside?
2: Kevin Hart would be, like, the insecure side of, like, ah,
1: oh, he ain't nothing ah, oh, man. He ain't nothing I was Really trying to get big, man. I was serious about the gym. You know something else I thought the gym was going to do for me, though? I thought the gym was going to help me mentally. I had a lot of mental stuff I was trying to get over. Phobias and stuff. And I said, you know, you get a little bigger, feel better about yourself, you don't worry about the stuff you're afraid of. Got any phobias? Not you think of you ain't scared of nothing, huh? You ever wake up and an alligator in your room or some shit?
2: <laughs> you like, like just wagging on you the whole time? time? <laughs> you <feel> like, uh-huh. <laughs> it probably would be Kobe's voice on the other side of like that that killer instinct, you know, that you uh, you're ready for pretty much any situation, knowing that, like, knowing who you are. So that's might be a might be an animation
4: coming in for that. But there's a real, there's a serious calmness about him, which is. Oh, it's extremely deadly right? because he's not up. He's not down. He's not.
1: <laughs> so, he he so what was the, what, what, what did you and Brandon work on during the off season? What would you and your group kind of put in your bag that maybe wasn't there before? Or what did you try to refine or strengthen that was there before? Yeah, at this point,
2: I mean, Understanding my, my my uh physical stature, still six three, still a buck ninety. There's not much to add in terms of how I do things. It's all about just being as efficient as possible with how I move, how the ball moves and where I'm getting my shots at. So I'd say I just try to do everything I've been doing even better. And that's always been the uh the kind of approach, you know, to to, to the work that I do over the summer. Um, and then a lot of it is the mental work for sure to kind of Marcus's earlier point, just around trying to anticipate what the season will look like based on, you know, the team and, and, you know, the style of play that you want to kind of bring to life. And, and for me, it's always conditioning. That's the biggest thing. Like I have to, you know, as you get a little older and older in this league, that's the hardest thing to maintain throughout the summer. So you have to work a little bit smarter every year, especially the way that I play. Cause I'll cover ground mm-hmm. on the court and, It is my superpower out there to be able to just outrun guys, you know, night after night. So that is, that's the unlock for me pretty much every year is how can I elevate that part of my game as I get older?
3: DA, yeah, I'm going to be so proud when this commercial drop where there's like a voice personifying mm-hmm. the gangster inside. We're going to know that this began on Hoops and Jason, exactly. right? I exactly.
2: AP credits on that for sure. I'm, I'm,
1: see, I'm thinking Michael B. Jordan as the as the soothing voice, as the voice that tells you Michael B. Jordan as Adonis Creed, not as himself.
2: Okay. <laughs> you know what I'm
1: saying? <laughs> or or as Killmonger, either one will work for me. I mean, I think they both come from, they're both very confident people for different reasons. Uh, Killmonger, I like
2: that. That might be a better one. He's just got a firmness to his voice. Yeah. I like that. All right.
1: Now, I always have said this. I've said this since since Black Panther came out. I think Killmonger had a point. <laughs> I just, I'll just leave it at that. I think Killmonger had a point. What do you think?
3: Mm. <laughs> you mean at the end when I he just didn't made want to- His
1: point of view as he came into Wakanda, not to, not about him becoming king, but just about life and and what has to happen after he becomes king. I think he had a point. Now you could disagree with the point, but I think he had a point.
3: Yo, Da about to start a race riot right here. Like,
1: <laughs> like-
2: <laughs> You still get some flames. I don't know, you, you, I don't know how you summarize the point. I'm gonna clear the fifth one right now. Ah. <laughs> we will be
3: like, yeah, I kind of think we should kind of use our weapons to kill all, all, all the oppressors. I feel like. <laughs> I'm saying I'm Da. I understood his point of view.
1: That's all. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I understood his point of view.
3: <laughs> man, we got to obliterate the colonizers. All right, Da,
1: I'm with you, man. DC, baby. You Let's know, go. I mean, this is debate point. You know, and and the Wakandans had their point of view, and their point of view was just as valid. I thought it was an <laughs> that's interesting that's why discussion.
2: You did the job. That is why you are who you are. That's why you're Hall of Famer right there.
1: No, nah, I don't know about all that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> What's Hall of Fame is how Steph was like. Yeah, I'm cool.
2: <laughs> I love that
1: Facts I love it Man I love it
2: Mike Appreciate you uh, Sitting down With me uh, This is Really an honor One because Of who you are But more than that We're obviously Here on a golf course And it's a pretty uh, Special bond In terms of The basketball players Who, who love right. golf um, That that group is growing By the years A lot more people Picking up the game But you've been in it For me, For a long time it's the hardest game, I'm just uh, I can
4: always respond to a, an opponent, a defensive guy, offensive guy, whatever, but in golf, it's like playing in a mirror, and you are battling yourself consistently to try to get perfection. Every swing, every putt. For a competitive person like me, this is what keeps me sane, you know, because when I walk away from the game of basketball, yeah, that was enough to keep my competitive juices working. Absolutely. And now, Steph, you're one, one
1: of us now. now. You're like know. a you're a media person. You were doing the Ryder Cup. Is that correct?
2: Yeah. So joined up with NBC Universal and their entire uh, family of, of networks, and uh, partly, you know, kind of initial launch was to do some content for Golf Channel and go out to the Ryder Cup. So what I didn't know. Um, was you know how deep Michael Jordan was into uh you know the Ryder Cup presence and and just mm-hmm. tapping into the team into the captains and I think he had been to the last eleven if I'm not mistaken. Right. And uh he makes a whole week out of it and and, and shows up for the team and support and all that. y'all know how much I love golf. So Yes. One it was surreal because who would have ever thought that I'd be in the middle of Sheboygan or Kohler, Wisconsin. <laughs> Talking to Michael Jordan on a golf course about the Ryder Cup, like all that, all that was just a lot uh, going on, and uh, he was amazing in terms of mentality and um, you know what golf has meant to him in his life, and from a competitive standpoint, and uh, how much he's, or I guess, influenced within you know the the Ryder Cup, you know, team and players and and captains who have come through. So uh, I'm hooked. I hope to find a way, schedule wise, to be there every year because yeah. Uh, that team aspect and just that energy was dope, and it was cool to kind of get in that atmosphere right before the season started. Because, right, some good energy right there for uh, for the Ryder Cup guys.
3: So, did you ask him if you're a Hall of Famer now?
2: <laughs> <laughs> a, I mean, the first question they just edited it out, and he said uh, he said first ballot Hall of Fame, no problem. That's what he see. We, we, hey, we, that's we, that gangster, da.
1: That's the, <laughs> But that, but did you ask him if he's Nile likes you more than he likes Russ? You know what I'm saying?
2: <laughs> so we didn't get into that one, though.
1: <laughs> Man, I wonder what it was like. Watch for you watching a team, a, a team that really all new guys basically on the Ryder Cup team this year, whip that ass and just be dominant. And and if some if there was something recognizable about that as you watched it. I mean,
2: it was just pure dominance, but it was also like a a swag and a... Sorry,
1: can y'all hear this? Yeah, that's all right. (laughs) Hold on, let me get this. Hold that... And know we can add it. Hold on, we can. Uh, it's either a very, it's either a very powerful child or or a very. Weak I'm about man. to be like, yo, Cannon
3: is, is strong, <laughs> yo. He <laughs> <Be> hungry. <laughs> hey, Feed me, Daddy. <laughs>
1: you have very powerful children, Steph. Yo, is that Cannon?
2: We got some work going on in these uh, in these streets out here. Got
1: you, You
3: got you. I thought Cannon was trying to get in the fridge.
1: Exactly. Like I need some more cereal. That's all right. (laughs) (laughs) Can y'all hear me? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. All right. So you were talking about domination at the Ryder Cup. Yeah,
2: it was just a swag and a uh, a togetherness that you know I hadn't seen um, in the golf world, and I, I say that meaning. You know, they're walking on the first tee and you see all the atmosphere of the fans and just uh, the chaos that is the first tee of the Ryder Cup. Every USA guy that came out was, like, hyping the crowd up, whether they had this demeanor normally or not. They hyped the crowd up, you know, playing to this side, that side, showing off when they pulled driver out. Bryson DeChambeau's holding it up like it's a freaking Lancelot sword. Like, it's he's just all over the place. And to see that kind of galvanizing spirit and belief even before, um, you know, the first tee was hit, the first tee shot was hit, it was was like they they knew that they were meant to to win and meant to turn the tide because they hadn't had success in a long time. But uh, they had to spark their own belief, and it was cool to watch every single guy. Especially, you know, there's a lot of drama leading up to this group getting together because a lot of side stories and backstories and stuff, and they all kind of put it to the side. Um, and that's what any great team does. Um, oh yeah! And uh, it was awesome to kind of see it up close and personal, see him get it done. S-
3: speaking of uh, uh
2: you know. Teams
3: that have a lot of drama. Uh, no.
2: it was <laughs> amazing, amazing segue you
1: I was say, right here. That was a very <laughs> good
3: segue, man. You're you ready to be like, at? hold on, what, was,
2: what is he about? To, what are he about to I, do? I was turning my like, you No, know, You try to re- answer the question before it's even asked. I ain't
1: not know where he was going. All right, now, still what what I still don't know where he's going. Where are we going? Let's I'm, go. I'm curious too. <laughs> it was mostly just.
3: I was mostly just trying to scare you with the setup. I wanted to ask you about. You know the seventy fifth anniversary. Oh, like knowing the NBA is into seventy five, and I think there's a book that just came out about the dynasties in the NBA. Yeah,
1: it's a pre order. I think you can get it now. Yeah, Uh, Uh, it came out today, so
3: you can order it. It, You know, uh, it features you prominently in there. Really? But I was wondering, like, (laughs) when when you were, how, how much do you, how much did you study or look into? Like the old hoop Like you know back, Like back in the day Now I mean I know You grew up in it Like in the 90s But how much Did you pay attention To beforehand Did you watch Old film Like now that the NBA Is looking at Kind of the old The whole 75 years My personal take is We don't respect The OGs enough nope. Like we don't yeah. Talk about them enough But I was wondering Like how far Do you go back When you uh Was watching And
2: growing up On Hoops see, see you're You're a uh, A defender Of the old generation an old era of basketball and we just came out of that little a little period of time especially when we were coming up that uh there was a lot of hate thrown at us in terms of guys that were taking the uh taking the reins and, and pushing Where? the envelope what, so was I like, there really is like there any I like specific about, i don't remember the specifics i just remember i got asked oh, okay, about yeah. it a <laughs> lot <laughs> <laughs> see he never but, take my bait DA. You know, he, never, he is, knows you too well <laughs> But so what happens is, yeah, I take I, I know MT, but what I, what I do know is I've always been uh, an admirer and um, you know respectful and appreciative of the past generations because we're not doing what we're doing without you know the work of their careers, and so like I'm never in that situation to you know to your point of. When I looked at the the NBA's top 50 that they came yeah. out with before, yep. and yep. you look at some of those names and then you start to put them in their, in their eras, it's amazing some of the names that pop off. And then they ask, like, we're going to add 25. And you think about, you know, the greats of the last 25 years. And, um, and then there's that conversation, oh, can you add this guy? And he's better than a guy that made the top 50. Should you remove him off that list? And, and all those different conversations come up. Um, and it's just, a, it's a hard conversation because, you know, without a vision of how the game is supposed to play, guys are just creating it on their own, in their own way, in their own era and pushing the envelope. And so the same way we're doing, um, the same way the next generation is going to do it. And that's the beauty of, of sports in general. But of course, of the NBA and such a, you know, 75 years isn't really that long in the grand scheme of life. And so it's pretty, pretty awesome to think, um, you know, how far the game has come that we can actually have this conversation. But uh, I've always been um, just a hoop head in terms of, And you know, if you look back at, at how the game was played back in the day, you know, there was, there was some talent that just jumped off the screen and yep. it's undeniable. Um, could could they play in our area? Would we go back and dominate in their area? Who, who, who knows? Um, but, you know, that conversation is, it's dope to just know how, how, how much, you know, many strides the NBA has taken in the last 75 years. What do you know about
3: dynasties, The 10 GOAT teams that changed the NBA forever. Wherever you buy books. Wherever you
1: buy books. Great players playing in the era, Steph. That's like, I mean, Ali could box in any era. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter what era it was. He was so they good. They would have figured it out. He would have figured, figured, figured it out. out. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and And great players, you would have been fine, and I'm not, this is not asking, you would have been fine in the 80s, because you would have figured out how to play in a name It's ridiculous. Mark Price played in the 80s, <laughs> you telling me, <laughs> like, it wasn't like nobody was, like, what are you talking like Mark about? Mark Price invented the split, the splitting the double team. Like, Wait, he invented that. <laughs> nice, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, so, of course he could have played in that era, and of course yeah. Michael Jordan could play in this era. What are you talking about? Like, mm. great players play in but any in era. in defense
3: of the old heads, I think they were coming at y'all y'all, because people did forget about them. Love. Not like y'all specifically, not you, but Baby. I do think there was a generation of basketball where we just forgot about them. Yeah. And especially as the money started trickling in, like, I'd have yeah. been a little bitter too, but... <laughs> I, I, understand, I understand that
2: part for sure.
3: I don't, I, I don't think that was fair to, like, y'all, to, like, for the direct and vehement criticism, but I do think it spurs from them trying to defend, like yo, like you know. I was night. People don't know how good Connie Hawkins was, man. Right. Well, like they, they don't, they don't know. People, people don't know. People don't know how good Dr. J was. Right. Like, like and I, Hayward, I do feel like yes. that. That was a the the backlash you received. I do feel like part of it is because you know it's been thirty five years of wanting and wanting and <laughs> and uh,
2: all all great points. And part of it is you know. Uh, I'm sure the money is, that's one of the bigger points too, because like I said, I was an appreciation of where the league is from a business perspective and everybody that had a part in, in playing in that growth, um, that, you know, we're reaping the benefits right now, not just the players and what we're making, but just from a fan perspective and the engagement and the access to the game around the world. So like, definitely, uh, I can, I can see the, where if you feel slighted in that respect, you don't feel like you're getting your flowers for what, you know, what you did to, to push the game for how nice you were in your career. You can probably get some people chiming in and chirping in. But, uh, you know, if you put, if you go to uh, most of the NBA you know, locker rooms, we know what we're talking about. So
0: this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all... It's only pressure. You got this.
1: Adidas. Steph, uh, you do a very good job of kind of keeping it uh, in the middle. You know what I mean? Like you don't get too high or too low, uh, generally speaking. And I wonder how difficult it is to not at least publicly be pissed, like I get pissed off all the time. <laughs> like, Things piss me off, and I say something on Facebook or on Twitter, and then I feel better. But you yeah. can't do that. So how do you how do you deal with that on a regular basis?
2: It's a great question because part of it is the circle that I have outside of basketball, and I have a certain perspective that you know it's that another cliche line of you know, basketball is what I do; it's not who I am. But when it comes to to life, like I have so much. More to it than than what happens on the court, and and that gives me perspective about the highs and the lows that happen. I don't forget the roots of where I came from and growing up watching my pops play in the league for sixteen years and understanding at an early age what that emotional roller coaster was like. Because I, you know, I was born '88, so he his second year in the league for ten to twelve years of his career. Like I remember a good amount of it. And I got to ask questions. I got to, you know, see in real time why we all lost the playoff series. Like, how does he feel? How's he coming home type of vibe? Mm -hmm. Um, How he treated people when we went to dinner after a loss versus a win, if there was a difference there. Um, How people treated him. Like, all those type of things. And so, it's the perfect balance of just understanding the perspective of, you know, it is a game. It is, it's important. And it's something that I live and die by in terms of, you know, what I put into it. But I try hard. It's an intentional effort to not uh, let that get the best of me um, as best I can because I know how much of an influence how I carry myself has. And it is a big responsibility and I don't always get it right. Talk to the guy through the mouthpiece. But, you know, there's always um, (laughs) there's always an opportunity to uh, to to you know, I, I hate to say inspire, but there's a way to carry myself in a way that I respect, you know, how I see the game and how I see life and how I see my greater purpose and also enjoy what I do because coach courage is is a great reminder of you know, at least once a week. He tells us how lucky we are to be playing this game to get, uh, be able to support our families playing this game.
1: Yeah,
2: You know, we do have real problems that are real to us and things that we have to work through and real emotions and, and we should acknowledge those, um, but it's all perspective at the end of the day. So that's how I live it.
3: I imagine, you know, Aisha gets to hear this, you know, the piss side of you, right? <laughs> like the part you know, it's funny. Like, she like, was,
2: if she was sitting right here, she would say she didn't hear it enough because <laughs> she's always yeah, like, right. she's always like, when you come home, like, you don't complain like, yeah. about nothing. I'm yeah. like. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Maybe I, wonder, I also complain the same way. Maybe I don't know. I, 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 I
3: always wondered how difficult it would be to hold on to any of this stuff when you're going home to Riley. Like <laughs> Riley feels like yo, none of, like she will let you know in a heartbeat how much like you are her background singer.
2: <laughs> oh, no, straight up, straight up. I came home today uh, from a preseason game. I get home at 2 in the morning, wake up, school. Uh, They wake up like 8 o'clock, 7.38. She's old enough now, she asks, oh, daddy, what happened last night? Like, oh, we played well. It's like, did you win? Yeah, we won. Cool, that's awesome. So uh, I need you to film this iMovie uh, thing right quick. I need you to go oh, a whole different set. That's all I get right there. Got to get it in real quick.
1: You got <laughs> a storyboard <laughs> and everything.
2: Got the whole, you got our whole day planned and where this we all brush, fit you've in. been like this since you was two. Where we all fit into that, uh, to that operation. So, yeah. Maybe it's I don't have enough time to really marinate on basketball when I'm at home because there's eight hundred things going on. <laughs> All right,
1: I got to ask you about this not not about your teammate necessarily. Well, if you want to say it, talk about that. That's fine. But <clears throat> there are there's a very small minority of players that have not gotten vaccinated, don't want to get vaccinated, or if they do, they're doing it reluctantly. Mm-hmm. They get enough attention. What I'd like to know is. Why aren't the 95% of you who are vaccinated being more vocal about and you don't even have to talk about the people that aren't getting vaccinated. I know you do it. I know I know assorted people do PSAs, but collectively, you've talked to Fauci. Like literally talked to Fauci. So you could if 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 there was a if a group of high profile for lack of a better term NBA stars get a bunch of PSAs that ran all the time saying, get your shot already. What are you doing? That could have an effect too. And I just wonder what you think about that.
2: Yeah, this is, this, it's a great question. And it's one that, uh, it, it amplifies or puts a spotlight on the fact that we all come from somewhere and we're all kind of, you know, products of our environment in terms of, um, you know, just how we see the world and, and how we operate and, and where you fit certain, you know, conversations in terms of, you know, social justice, public health, things that involve just sports. And as players, like to your point, we've been very vocal and outspoken on a lot of different things, um, especially, uh, you know, in the last couple of years around, you know, racial justice and and police brutality and things that are impacting our societies, our communities. We understand COVID falls into that category. for sure. Uh, But it's been one within the NBA circles that has always been a little confusing, I would say, for the general collective to truly understand how it's affecting each one of us in real time. And I think that started back in February, March of 2020, and it's continued to go because there's a nuance to, you know, the data and the research. It's all a, a narrative war i think in in the sense of you know, it has been politicized and all that but it's been hard to crack that seal of you know what your first impression of it was i think that's the biggest thing and to your point around you know the vaccine and how it's affecting us now there's guys that did it for certain reasons back in you know february march april of last year there's guys that have just done it because they don't want to miss time or guys that really understand the public health aspect of it. There's a lot of different reasons that we've gotten to 95% or so of the league. But the other 5%, I think it's truly just trying to crack, you know, the the confusion, the uncertainty, and uh, the hesitancy that was breeded at the very beginning. Unfortunately, that's a slower process. To your point around why people can't speak, because there's a huge locker room aspect to it, and that's for better or for worse. There, that's that's a part of sports. It's a part of, right? You know, just protecting each other in that respect. And I understand that that's going to sound like we're not taking the broader, we're not prioritizing the bo- broad, the broader, uh, you know, problem here. But um, I think slowly you're seeing more guys be a little bit more outspoken, a little bit more direct about you know how they're right. approaching it and how they're um, sharing their point of views. Yeah. And I hope that. You know, sooner than later, we will be the next league at 100, percent and yeah. um, you know, it'll be a good case study at the end of the day of, of, of how we got there. How
3: how did you guys receive Andrew Wiggins? Like you know, he didn't want to do it, and then he did it. Um, and he, you know, he's going to be available now. How how does this? How does that locker room view what he, I guess, essentially sacrificed for the team?
2: I mean, it was it was big. It was we understand that there was something um, in terms of how he how he saw things and how he believed that it. Um, it took a while for or it took till you know last week for him to get get vaccinated. But I think the biggest thing is I wouldn't have looked at him any differently in terms of him as a human being had he decided you know this is not what I want to do. I'm gonna miss games and all that. I would have been a little disappointed, but it's not that I would see him any differently as a human being and and, and how I've come to know him, you know, especially the last two years. Uh, Thankfully he, you know, he, he did his part. He, he got outside of his comfort zone and, and asked the right questions, got the right information. and Understood the ramifications for, you know, what was at stake and, and, and got it done and, and now he'll be available. And I think the, that's that's one part of it, but he also is a true testament to the greater good. What we're all talking about, and how everybody we feel should should kind of handle this situation, and when it comes to making that decision to get it done. So, um, I I'm, I'm excited he's going to be around. I'm excited that uh, you know he made that decision and that he's going to be available for us.
1: I am fascinated that this violates the code. I am I am fascinated by this because you know there's you know the questions that violate the code, right? I know them, you know them, we all know them. This is not anything like those. You know what I mean? Like this is not anything like those and yet it obviously to your point is viewed as violating the code. The player the, the player code I feel like the
2: one, I can only speak for myself in this situation. And I talked about it at a media day, especially around Wiggs situation. I was very direct and clear about, no, I got it. I felt like it was the right thing to do for everybody, knowing it was safe, knowing I'd, and asked the right people. There is still um, a sense of urgency on, um, on, on Wiggs and figuring out how he, you know, when, um, he needed to be vaccinated by it to, to be available for the season and all that. But there was still, uh, it was still, his, the ball was in his court. And so it wasn't, a, you know, a, a time to put like an ultimatum on him or anything like that respect. So it's a hard conversation to have. And that's only speaking for myself. There's, like you said, there's a lot of other guys around the league with a lot of different microphones and platforms and they're going to handle it, you know, the way that they see fit. Um, I enjoyed The process of, you know, like you said, reaching out to Fauci, had two conversations with him, and 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 put those on full blast so that you know they were hopefully seen by a lot of people and sharing the right information. But um, you know, it's it is a collective effort, and you know, ninety five percent is solid. It's not a hundred. We hopefully get a hundred pretty soon.
3: But but before I let you go, Steph, I gotta ask you this because uh. You, you were talking before about, you know, how the criticism you got and it was a lot, like, I think we've gotten a little bit past it, but 15, 16, 17 was kind of wild. But one of the great, uh, praises you got was front of one, a player who's like emotionally my favorite, right? Like, Allen Iverson has always been like a writer for you. I, I just wanted to know, what did that feel like? What, what, what does he mean to you? What does his game mean to you? Because to me, like Al- Allen Iverson is my heart. You know what I'm saying? So when, when that guy says it, it, it means a lot.
2: Yeah. AI and, and Shaq have been the two guys, um, that I grew up watching that have shown so much love. Um, and they go out of their way to do it too that's the that's the part that I, I love the most like um you know they know and i feel like they know based on how some of the things they they said and and you know the, the impact that they've had on this generation of basketball player like that's the who we watched growing up you know a i with his flair his confidence you know his uniqueness uh he represented culture on the basketball court and off he was unashamed and unapologetic about who he was, uh, even when the rules were almost set up for him to fail <laughs> in the sense of <laughs> uh, how he ran his life. So, um, you know, it, you want to make sure that he is celebrated. And I know this, this generation of player definitely is probably unanimous. How how much of an impact AI had it in some way, shape, or form on on their game or their interest? He in had you
3: cornrows and Charlotte Christian. Yeah, I, I tried. Shit. I would.
2: I ain't have that. I ain't have that. Uh, <laughs> you know that, that right hair hairstyle material. Yeah, ain't, ain't, ain't right. <laughs> I ain't have it right. ain't have it right. So, uh, but I love to try and 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 imitate the moves. And um, I did wear the accessories though. He did have me on the accessory game. So. Okay. Um, like Da-da. what? The armband? Oh, yeah. Armband. Finger right, sleeve. Armband right, right, right below the elbow, finger sleeve. Maybe the headband if you want to throw that on every once Yo, in that's a while. Yo, that's
3: hella funny. Picture of yeah. you at
2: Charlotte Christian I'm going to find a picture. I'm going to find a picture. Um, will so, it
1: better? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> to
2: know that like, he's been retired for a while and he, he still watches the game and, and appreciates the way that you play and uh, you know, put you in his top whatever list, like, that means a lot. And that's the part, like, from a colleague perspective, um, it's interesting. It's going to be it's gonna be wild to, like, know who I'm rubbing shoulders with, like Dame and LeBron and, you know, Kawhi and CP and all the guys that you've just competed against year after year after year. When it's all said and done, it's going to be such an appreciation of what we accomplished and the wars that we had on the floor and all of that. Um, and hearing AI and Shaq talk about it, um, it makes me appreciate what's happening right now because I know, like, this is special. And there's so much talent out here trying to, you know, trying to win championships and do amazing things out there on the floor. Like, I mean, we in that group, so it's no... Uh, it's
1: that's been my top bro. five
2: all day long, jazzy And I remember when you was a baby when I was playing <laughs> get your daddy. I so I know what time it is. I don't know. Yes sir. Yes sir. Great Love too, man. Thank you. you hold it? If
3: you staged that interaction, you a genius. Remember when he hugs you and was like top five and somehow it got caught on the mic? If you somehow stayed all
2: star weekend, like I just, was, I was, slowly, you was like, Hey, I my slowly mic slowly on. Moved my way over there. <laughs> yeah, it makes it. There's this thing on one
1: two. All right, what up, boy? What up, y'all? <laughs> genius, <Man>. genius, <laughs> always Ooh. a step ahead, man. Steph, Steph, thank you for your time, brother. I know you are busy as the season gets started, man. I wish you safe, safe. Safe passage, safe health, safe journey, man. As you get to get to do this again, man, and try to get another chip, man. Thank you. Absolutely, for
2: your time. I appreciate y'all, and uh, see y'all soon. Hopefully in Love them kids, man. Yes. Keep loving them That's kids. The, I,
3: I don't care about that hoop stuff. I care about the dad. Yeah, me That's too. who matters. The dad. Uh, all day I got I mean, for soccer practice and dance uh, class
2: and school pickup. So it's about to go yeah. that'd be go time.
3: There you go. What do your thing, boy. All right, all man. Right. Appreciate you. Appreciate
1: you. Absolutely. Mind. See y'all all soon. Right, so what so this was a decent show, Marcus, I think. One of our more decent shows today, I think. I think yeah, we did all right. right. We did, you did all, yeah, all, right. Right. Yeah, all right. All right. So uh as always, leave that five star review. On Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, wherever you hear this podcast, and look, look, we just had Steph Curry on the show for an hour. If you leave less than five stars on this review, I'm gonna personally come slap you. That's all. That's the that's the David Aldridge guarantee. I will slap you if you leave less than five stars on the review. Just dang, Don't do do it.
3: First, first you trying to annihilate the colonizer, <laughs> and now you out here slapping people. Slap can you people. at
1: least <laughs> can you at least put some baby powder on your hands? Can you, <laughs> can you at least go? You know, with the baby all powder. Right, like, all right, let guess. me let me temper that, Marcus. What do people? What should people do if if they want to leave less than a five star review?
3: I mean, nah. Forget keep it to yourself. I want (laughs) DA to slap you now. If you give less than a five star review, if you give less than a five star review, DA is gonna show up with a with a with a uh, with a nineteen seventy suit on with a butterfly collar and a handful of baby powder,
1: and he gonna slap you.
4: player zone